bad, bad addict. Um, every time I was able to get a loan, I was doing drugs. I've been in prison four times, twice in the state, twice in the feds. I was doing all this crazy stuff, cooking drugs and just staying high. God called me from a prison cell. I was a homeless drug addict, and my hope was found in a needle. I was eight months pregnant, homeless, um, living out of my van. You know, it wasn't freeway that saved me, it wasn't John Stroop that saved me, but God uses freeway in such a mighty way as a tool to reach these people. There's not a community or a county in America that doesn't have a drug problem. And the, the church has the answer and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome to One Broken Life. My name is John Stroop with my special guest, Scott Gilmore. Hello. One Broken Life is a production of Freeway Ministries where we explore the broken lives of people. Uh, we believe the bigger the mess, the bigger the message many times. And uh, Scott, we get to explore your life today. Um, as you know, we have talked to your wife, Melissa, and she's told us everything about you okay. that you don't want anyone else to know. Okay, so, I her dirt too. So. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to hash some of that out. Okay. But um, Scott... Uh, as we, as we get into your life, we know you're in ministry right now. I know many, many people know that. Um, but we're going to talk first. The first thing we're going to talk about is your BC, your Before Christ Life. And uh, kind of some theme verses for this podcast is uh, Psalms fifty one seventeen. The Bible says that the Lord will not despise a broken and contrite heart. Uh, and so the sacrifice of God, it says, are a broken heart and a broken spirit. And so... Uh, we're going to talk about where God brought you to that broken place where you finally surrendered to Him and repented of your sins, and your life has radically changed, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you, and and God has taken you from that big mess, and now He's given you a big message, right? Amen. And so, and then Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, Paul says, that, Brethren, I want you to know that things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And he goes on to say that other people are more bold to speak the name of the Lord without fear because of his chains, because of what's happened to him in his life. And so that's my hope today uh, is that, you know, we've had a good time laughing and joking. And, and but we, we want to, I would love for people to be able to hear of a God who restores. And, and so uh, let's talk about your life. What, what was your life like growing up? My life growing up, it was very, I, I come from your very dysfunctional family, right? I remember as a child, uh, <clears throat> I seen, I was raised in an alcohol home, alcoholic home. I seen a lot of alcoholism. Uh, I remember a lot, a lot, a lot of my memories as real young was sitting on the porch waiting for my dad to come home from the bar. Uh, my dad wouldn't come home for many days. You know, he would be out cheating on my mom. Uh, so I saw a lot of alcoholism. I saw a lot of adultery. You know, and, and that's what I've seen my whole life. And, then, you know, I see my, I'm the youngest of five siblings, and, and I've seen that in them, too. As they all would get older, we'd all get older, i see the drinking in each and every one of them. So, and that was kind of my mom and dad. My mom split. She, uh, uh, she got tired of my dad coming home drunk when he would come home drunk. He'd go, he'd go to work every day, but 
he wouldn't come home for several days, you know, because after work he'd go to the bar and uh, and he cheated on my mom a lot. So my mom got tired of it and she left. And I just I remember uh, coming off the bus, school bus one day, kindergarten man, and uh, knowing my mom had left. Man, I found that out and I was like five years old, kindergarten man. I just remember that tore me up for a while. So I seen that my parents split. So it was. A lot of my growing up was back and forth, you know. My mom left, she came back. I'd live with my dad for a while, I'd go to my mom's for a while, you know, just a lot of back and forth and a lot of alcoholism, a lot of adultery I'd see, stuff like that. So Was your mom uh, a drinker or a drugger? No, no. My mom come from a very, very conservative Baptist Christian home, so. Okay. So she left and you stayed back with your dad? Correct. Yeah. So that was tough, right? Right, right. You was raising yourself then? Basically, me and my sisters, my older sisters. I'm the youngest of five, so. Okay. Yeah. There was no, there was no uh, adult supervision, so to speak, because my sisters basically raised me. So. And that opens the door to a lot of things when there's no adult supervision. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, here you are, uh, everyone in your family, you know, watching your siblings, uh, following your father's footsteps. And then the immorality and all the things that go on with, you know, adultery and, and that kind of thing. And so, uh, so as you grow as you're growing up, uh, when when did you start exploring alcohol and drugs? I started exploring probably about thirteen, fourteen. Okay, it would be uh, drink on the weekends, drink here and there, uh, occasionally uh, smoke a little pot or something like that. So. That was the exploring. Then when I got to 19, that's when it went heavier. That's when it got into to meth and to opiates. And, uh, okay. How many treatment centers have you been to? Well, I've been to the, I was in the Sigma house here in Springfield, 28, the 28 day treatment three times. Uh, I was in a federal prison treatment center for nine months. And then I went to Missouri State Treatment Center for six months. And then this last time I was in Missouri Treatment Center, Missouri DOC Treatment Center for a year. So The Department three, of Corrections. So six. you've been to three prison treatment centers, two yes. state prison treatment centers, and one federal prison treatment center. Yep. And you can't quit them. No. Uh, you don't get to say, I'm done, and walk out. Right. It doesn't work that way. And, uh, and so you've been through a lot of, uh, I would say, secular treatment centers. Mm -hmm. You've heard all the philosophies. And we won't really mention too many names because I don't want to give a negative view to anyone of a secular treatment center because I believe sometimes secular treatment centers do good. And I believe the reason they do good is because, uh, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, person that believes in, you know, making a coffee cup your God. I'm not a big 12-stepper personally, but I know that many people have gotten it right and it started because they went to a treatment center sobered up got something to eat got some tools and then that led them to a relationship with jesus and so uh so here you are um you're you're in ministry right now i know that um you have been strung out your adult life so let's talk about just what brought you to your broken place let's let's give a uh, just some history here to our people who are listening because there's people, Scott, you have to remember this, that there's people listening. They have a friend, they have a brother, they have a cousin, they have a parent, they have a wife or a husband or themselves who feel, you know, hey, I'm at the end of my rope. Um, you know, they can't stop using, can't stop getting high, can't stop going to prison, commit crime. And God is, as my shirt underneath this one says, it's a broken, you're a cycle breaker now. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, 
let's talk about how what brought you to the broken place where you finally surrendered to the God of the Bible. Well, when I first really started realizing I was completely broken, and one of my darkest places I'd been is uh, I got out of the federal prison system and, and I started uh, got strung out on the opiates and 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 uh, I lost everything and I moved in with my my dad and stepmom. All right, and uh, and me and my son I had my son and my ex wife at this time. And uh, I was strung out, and uh, and I got so strung out on that needle, and so strung out on them opiates, man. I started experiencing heavy withdrawals. Well, my dad had cancer at this time, and, and uh, you know he had a lot of pain medication in the house. So uh, I was sneaking, and I would steal it, and then I would go into uh, his bathroom and shoot it up. You know, with my dad in there, my stepmom in there, and and then my little son, who's probably I don't know, probably a year old at that time. And, uh, you know, and it just, and there was no remorse, you know, about it. I didn't feel, you know, I justified it. Well, he doesn't use all this medication, so I'm, you know, I'm going to use it for him. And, uh, and, and I remember, and this, the last time I saw my dad, this was going on, and, and I was on federal paper. And uh, What's federal paper? Uh, federal probation, federal okay. parole, right? So I, I got out of federal prison. I was on it. You know, I kept dropping dirties and getting in trouble. So they issued a warrant to come and arrest me, and, uh, they arrested me in the living room, and the last time I saw my dad uh, was was the marshals cuffing me up, and I knew, you know, my dad was really sick. So, uh, but I got out of prison. I went and did that federal uh, uh, violation. I got out and did it again. And and this last time, man, it just when I got arrested, uh, when I finally got when this what made me surrender this last time is when I got arrested. On a, uh, I was on parole. I was on state parole this time. I got arrested. Right, I, I was in the parking lot of the apartment complex trying to make meth, and then, uh, and I strung out on uh, Suboxone and Klonopin, and, and you know it was. Uh, anyway, so I, I get arrested, and they put me on a 24-hour hold, like they do around here. And I'm thinking, man, at the end of that 24 hours, I'm gone. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know if I'm gonna commit suicide. I don't know if I'm gonna get high. I don't know if I'm gonna straighten up. But I am out of here. And uh, at the end of that 24 hours, man, they charged me. Because I spent that 24 hours awake thinking, man, looking looking at the clock. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. They're going to open that door in 24 hours. They didn't do it, man. And I like to say that I was rescued, not arrested at that time. So then I, 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 I so for the next two months, man, I'm withdrawing. I'm coming down off meth. I'm withdrawing off Suboxone and Klonopin in jail. And it's rough. You know, it's rough in there. So I'm having bad dreams and things like that. And and I lost everything, man. They, they come. They got my son again. Uh, I had no money. I had no one to call. I had no one to come up and see me, nothing. God removed every, every distraction from my life. And that's when I finally said, man, this is it. I hit my knees. I said, I'm done, Lord. I'm done doing it my way. It's your way. Amen. I ain't looked back since. So <clears throat> you're, I call it cold. Alone, cold, and hungry. You know, that's where I was in prison. And uh, I never had a prison visit or a phone call. I actually gave my, you know, in prison, some people don't know this, but you get a code. You get a, like a, you know, when I was in prison, they gave you a, a, a code to where you type it in and that's your code. Your money's on that account. You know, they didn't have iPads or nothing when I was in prison. And I gave my code away. Because there's a free one-minute phone call on there when you first go to prison and tell people where you're at. But I have nobody to tell. So I, I, have no, I never used a phone. So I gave my code to a guy that needed a one-minute, you know, because I, I didn't have anyone. 
And so, and I, you know, I was alone. I was hungry. And I was cold. And that's where I needed to be, right? Uh, thank God for the handcuffs. Amen. Uh, thank God that, you know, we get a chance to go to prison and jail and sober up and think about life because you can't quit prison. Mm-mm. You know, you, you could quit a treatment center, <laughs> but you can't you can't quit prison. And, and so prison many times is a good thing. Um, and so who did you look up to growing up, Scott? I would say when I was younger, I looked up to my bigger brother. Uh, he's the oldest. He's the oldest of us five. I'm the youngest. So and, and when I was younger at this point in life, you know, I seen that he was what we called a party animal back then. And, and, and I seen that, and that's who I looked up to. And I thought, you know, I'm going to be like that when I grow up. So, And I tell people all the time, be careful who you want to be because you'll end up being that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm from Jeff City, Missouri, and there's it's not known to be, you know, a violent place or anything like that. But there's, there's people, it's not where you're from, it's where you're at. <clears throat> and I wanted to be a gangster. Bad. I ended up being one. I, I became one, you know. And... Uh, and so, you know, for me, I, I looked up for the masculine men in my life. And uh, that was the drug dealers and the drug addicts and, you know, the violent people. I always wanted to be a tough guy, you know, and, and stuff like that. Um, and so did you ever think, I mean, before we go into this, did you ever think that you would change? No. <clears throat> no, I didn't. Yeah. yeah. And so what was your exposure to the gospel, Scott? My exposure was in a jail cell. My exposure was a faithful Gideon coming every Thursday into a jail cell and sharing the gospel with me. He would sit down, or we wouldn't sit down. We'd meet at the, I was in Barton County, Lamar, Missouri, went out there just and got caught out there. And it's a little country town jail, right? So they had like the, the bar doors. And he would come to the door of that, that cell and uh, he'd first just talk to me for a little bit. Then he would share the gospel with me. And that was my exposure. He come, he 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 come every week and, and shared the gospel faithfully. What was his name? Do you remember? True Gideon. Yep. His last name. True, was Gideon. no, True Medlin. He was a Gideon. My bad. True Medlin. Have <laughs> True you ever Med- tried to reach out to him? No, I looked him up online, and he passed away in, in 2010. Okay. Because uh, this was 90. This was 1999. Yeah, but he was a faithful Gideon man. He was there every every Thursday, and he would come and share the gospel. And, and I'd be like, well, you know, I know my mom, and you know, I know I come from this uh, a Christian background, and but I'm not ready for that. And then one day I'm laying there in the bunk, you know, and and I just I'm staring at that. At the, uh, there's a bar wall there, you know, and all I can see in that bar wall is a Bible. There's other books around it, but I just I kept seeing that Bible, man. And that's when I picked it up and read it. And I remember the first time I read that thing. You know, I spent my life believing that Bible was true just because when I was little, my mom had us in church, but I had no clue what it said. And I can remember the first time I read it, especially when I got the book of Revelations, I was like on the edge of my seat, just couldn't put it down, man. And that was when the, that's when my, the gospel first was being planted. You were scared to death reading the book of Revelation. Man, I was like, no, if it was a movie or what? I was like, wow, but I couldn't put it down. Yeah. Yeah. All through it, though, the gospels. You know, man, I remember shedding tears when I said the crucifixion the first time I read that. I'm like, wow. And so, God, uh, the Bible says faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I believe that's also reading. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it was reading. Uh, I can't tell you how, how many times I read the Bible. I can't tell you how many times in jail. I didn't do a lot of prison time, uh, but I did do a lot of jail time. And because I was a 
I was a, a runner. And anyone that would bond me out, I would burn them. And so I was on the no bond list in Coe County, where I'm from. And uh, the, the judge knew that if he let me out on the RO bond, OR bond, own recontinence, for those that don't understand what that is, basically you sign a paper and you promise you'll be back when court comes and you never show up. And so they have what's called a capious warrant. And, and uh, that means that this person has no bond when you pick them up. They have to see the judge. And that was me. And so sometimes I would sit in jail for a couple hundred days on a misdemeanor because, you know, you're not getting, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to run and the judge right. is mad at me, you know, so he's going to make me sit for a while. But, uh, and, and I read the Bible, but it never really, nothing happened. I would say I was a Christian. I would say I was going to change. And then I would take that Bible. And I, as soon as I got out, I left that Bible, you know, wherever I, wherever I landed first and it would never be picked back up again. But it was, it was, it was in prison reading the word and somehow God just used it to make me believe, you know, uh, that there's none good, no, not one. And, and to me, that's exciting. And there is none good. And so I didn't seem so bad when I read that, right. you know. And and so God did that with you. He he broke you. And so you're in prison. You're in a little one-horse town somewhere. And uh, um, no offense to my horse friends out there. I don't want to make anyone mad using animals on here. But um, So you're there, and then all of a sudden what happens? You read the Bible, and things become alive, yeah. the living Word of God. And he uses it to break you. And so then what happens? Well, then, so then I, I, I go to jail. I go to, I go, <clears throat> that's when I got my federal case. So I go to prison. So I'm in there for, I think, probably seven years. And I use that time. I, I do my time by reading the Bible, walking the track, and working out. You know, reading the Bible, walking track, and working out. Uh, unfortunately, that time, you know, uh, unfortunately, just like with you, as soon as that gate opened, I, you know, I left that Bible right there. And that, that happened. So I've been four times in prison, and the first first three times I'd get in, I, I went to prison, I would do that same thing, man. I would go in there, I'd read my Bible, I would pray, I would clean up. My language would clean up a little bit, but there's no surrender, right? I kept hanging on to well, I want to continue to smoke when I get out. I want to see if I can, like, maybe get my prescription. And, you know, I want to figure out a legal way to get high to get out, you know. I want, what I wanted was I wanted a genie in the bottle. I wanted out early. I wanted, I wanted to be blessed. But King I baby. Want, yeah, I didn't, want, I didn't want to surrender nothing. So till this last time, and then that's when it just it broke me. God broke me. It was, you know, this took last a while. time. Yeah, it took four times. How much time have you done in prison? Uh, over 12 years. So you've been incarcerated over twelve years. Yeah, over twelve years, and then and you're fifty something today, right? I'm fifty. Yeah, <laughs> I just turned fifty. I'm jabbing at him if you don't know that. It's kind of yeah. stuff. I've been calling him fifty for five years. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, and so, finally, fifty years old, um, twelve years of your life in prison. You're in, you're in a cell. What'd you have to show for your life in that prison cell this last time? This last time, what I had to show nothing. So you're in prison with nothing to show for your life. Nothing, nothing absolutely nothing. Uh, I, I lost my son again, uh, the custody, and uh, nothing. Couldn't even make. I was on. I was on that prison welfare, that five dollars a month. You know. Me too. And uh, you can't buy much with five dollars a month. You can't, man. Especially, you know, it's it's hey, yeah. 
They ain't like nothing. Yeah. They don't give you no breaks in there, man. It's just as much as it is on the street sometimes. Bro. Yeah, it's more. Yeah, than it yeah. is because there's only one store. Yeah, and they get there's not two stores. <laughs> there's only one, and you yeah. want it, you have to pay the cost. And so, anyways, don't get me on that because I can go down a, a rabbit trail. Oh, yeah, buddy, I know. Yeah, so we won't do that. But so here you are. You're in prison. What year was this? This last time. This was, uh, so 2015. This last time I got arrested, November 2nd, 2015. And so you're you're about to get out. Tell I'm us just, about when you, because Scott is a uh, graduate from our one-year-long discipleship program here in Springfield. And so what made you apply to Freeway? So the third time I went to prison, my uh, ex-wife, my, my 13-year-old uh, mom, She's passed away from an OD, but she somehow got in Freeway, and she kept telling me about Freeway. And the third time I got out, when I got out, I mean, uh, she took me to Freeway a couple times, and this was like 2014. And then that, so, but this 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 time, what got me into Freeways is, is I knew uh, I'm at OCC, the one year treatment, and I knew, man, I can't go to family. I, I can't go. I got to do something different, you know, or it's it's just the same, you know. I knew I had to do something different. And 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 then uh, I kept I kept thinking about freeway. I knew about freeway, and, and I th- at that time I think you guys were getting ready to start a discipleship house or something. We started ours in 2012, the first one. Right. Okay, so you were, you were I remember you had some discipleship houses or was getting ready to or something. So I asked her to check on it, and she checked on it anyways. And then so then I see a pamphlet in the uh, the chapel for freeway at OCC, and then it just so happens one of the volunteers coming in. He volunteered at freeway, so. And that's how I got in. I, I uh, put in the application. I got in. I just kept, I felt like the Lord was calling me there. You know, all them doors were opening uh, for freeway, so. So you apply to freeway. You get accepted. Tell us about what it was like when you're, you know, you come four-time. They would say four-time loser, but you're not yeah. a loser. Uh, and for those that don't don't know, there's a lot of people that are learning uh, our culture and language. And so, yeah. uh a four-time loser would mean that you had been to prison four times and so so here you are you're you're getting out and um you get did you get off the greyhound how'd you get there my niece picked me up because i was i was was in fordland occ here so you're under an hour away around an hour away and uh tell us about your first what did you think when you entered the discipleship house well that first day there i was excited I was really excited. It seemed like there was a strong bond, like a, I mean, like a real brotherhood, you know, like a Christ brotherhood, not not a, not a gang brotherhood. But it was. Uh, I was excited when I very first got there. Amen. Excited. And so, what was it like submitting? What was it like having people tell you what to do? It was uh, so the first week, you know, it was I was excited. Then after about a week, it started. I was getting a little hey, man, you know. Ah. Look, man, I just did over a year and a half. I want a little bit of freedom, you know. And then, and then, and then, but then I started coming around, and you know, at first it, it, it takes a minute because you, I'm sitting here thinking, man, I'm an adult, right? I just got out of prison. I don't need all this uh, accountability, you know. I don't, I don't, I don't like that word accountability, but as in, as it goes by, you know, then I started going, okay, this is this is cool. I love this. Is what I need right here, you know. So. Uh Where's the first place you served in the church? First place I served I was the clothing ministry. How was that? It was it wasn't bad. Yeah. 
I didn't serve there very long, just a few times. Served in the uh, clothing ministry, then went to the uh, treatment center. Is that when yeah. you started stalking another girl in the program? No, she was stalking. Listen, she made she was stalking me. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. No, we Break, breaking the rules. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> huh? No, I wasn't stalking her. She was stalking me. <clears throat> I, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, my wife stalked me too. Did she? It was, see, e- it was either marry her or get a restraining order. That's what I. That was the same with me. I said, "Better marry her quick, otherwise." If she had a flashlight on her forehead yeah. one day. I'm like, yeah. "That's enough." That's it. <laughs> when I seen her peeking in the window, I knew it was done. That was it. <laughs> no. So her her brother was my Sunday school teacher, so that would have been awkward, you know, yeah, having yeah. her arrested. Yeah. So um, anyway. <laughs> So there you are. Uh, you you're you're serving in the church. You're serving in ministry. You're in the program. Um, you know, looking back, when did you know? Because many do know, some don't know. Uh, Scott is uh, ordained. Scott is uh, called into the gospel ministry. He's been preaching at our free at a freeway on the west side of Springfield for a year, correct? And God has used him and his wife Melissa in a mighty way. We're going to talk to both of them here in a minute, and we're going to have an episode with you guys both together. Okay. Um, and so when did you know that God had called you into the ministry? A little over a year ago. I kept, no, I, I surrendered to it a little over a year ago. So maybe maybe two years ago, I, I knew because all those doors kept opening, you know. And uh, But so what, what happened was I went over to Golden Avenue Baptist Church for a men's conference. I gave my testimony. And, I, and there was something about, I thought, man, this little church here on the west side of town, you know. So I started praying about it. And I went home and told, I told my wife, I said, man, I think God's going to call us to a little church on the west side. Well, she, she, she didn't, she didn't like She that. bowed up. She bowed big time, man. So I ain't going <laughs> Poked over her there. chest out and everything. Yeah, yeah, she did, man. She, she flexed on me big I time, I seen her man. do that earlier. Scared me. <laughs> I was scared, too. <laughs> yeah. No, I knew. So, so we prayed about it for a long time, and then, and then we went over there and, uh, but you know, like Pastor Jeff Stone King, he asked me to preach, and and then uh, and then you know he wanted to get a recovery ministry going, and he wanted me to preach at it, and and so I just I knew then it's like because I said I will never ask to preach or anything like that if God's called me to preach because I, I I was afraid God was many years ago, but I ran from it, and so but when when you know when it's just the doors are open, people are saying hey preach here, come preach here, hey do this, so I was like okay. So then I knew, and a little over a year ago, I just surrendered to it. What so. do you what What is it like right now for you? I know that, uh, you know, your son has been raised by someone else, yeah. and uh, and I talked to Melissa a little bit. You know, you got to deal with that guilt and stuff. You know how how do you deal with that uh, with the guilt and the stuff that comes from the past right now? Because there's people listening, yeah. and uh, you know, guilt is a trigger, and a lot of times people use to cover that up. And, and self-medicate with that guilt. So, so I know that your son, your son, you have a good relationship, um, but you're you're about to go nine hour drive away mm-hmm. to another church. You're going to go start a freeway in Texas, and we're going to talk about that. But um, and then someone from our program who graduated now is is about to take your place over at Freeway West. And so now you're moving away. Um, so how are you dealing with all that? The guilt. I I you know I I tell myself that. First of all, that what happened <clears throat> me losing my son was because of my bad choices. That you know, my life. That's my fault. First of all, I take responsibility for what I did. It's my fault that somebody else raised him. 
uh, it's my fault that uh, I kept choosing prison and getting high over, over choosing raising him. So, and the one thing I think about is, is uh, you know, that's not me anymore. I surrendered my life to Christ. Christ forgave me, you know, so he forgave me. So what I do is just try to focus on going forward, okay? This is, this is the past. This is what happened in the past, you know. Uh, I'm forgiven, you know. And, and the thing of it is, I, I, don't, I don't regret the past. Would I redo it? No, I wouldn't redo it. But I'm where I'm at today because of my past. So I, I deal with the guilt. I try to think a lot is like that. It's you know that it's better. It is better that that happened. You know, like I went to prison for so long and got cleaned up than if I was just still out there getting high. Because if I was still out there getting high, I would be no father figure at all to him, and I wouldn't even be able to see him right now. So God's restoring that. You know, with the locusts have eaten. So. And you say, did you get out of prison and enter the program in, the, in 2015? No, 17. 17. I went to prison the last time, 2015. March 9th, 2017 is when I entered the program okay. this last time. So uh, you went to prison 17 years ago? No, 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 five, eight years ago, nine, Six. eight, seven years ago? Yeah. I'm not very yeah, good about seven years ago. And so um, so you were, you were using drugs and alcohol since you've been 13 years old. So your whole adult life. And so, uh, how long you've been out of prison since 2017? It's 2022 right now. For those you know who may not understand what to, you know, they may listen to this later on or something. But um, so you've got seven years of sobriety under your belt, yep. Yep. And, and you were sober in prison. Yes. So yes. really, you've got uh, nine. What is that? Nine and a half, actually. Nine and a half years of sobriety yeah. under your belt. So how does that feel? Feels good, and and I guarantee you we're wrong on our calculus. But yeah, that's I know okay. we are. But so but, I, I can say this: the last time I got high was I think November second, two thousand fifteen. So it's six and a half years. Okay, seven. <laughs> okay. Anyways, yeah, yeah they, they, they call me spelling bee for a reason. All right. So well, I use my fingers to count. Yeah, there you go. Anyways, that's all right. But, well, when you're fifty, you got to do that. All right, right. So, so let me ask you a question, Scott. Shoot. Sure. Somebody's watching this right now, and uh, they feel hopeless. You know, you're a man of God. You're preaching the gospel. You're in full-time ministry, dude. Amen. You know, you've had a job since you've been out of prison. You know, you're all parole, probation. Um, you've got a family. We're going to talk to your wife and talk about your new your new kids and what God is doing and all that. And I say kids plural, by yes. the way. And um, And so what would you tell someone who's, you know, feeling like there's no hope for them? Um, no hope for their loved one. Uh, they just won't stop getting high, won't stop using. What would you say to them? I'd say there's hope. I'd say if Christ, listen, if Christ could deliver someone like me, because I was a needle junkie. I was the type of, I, I, would, I was the type where, not to get too graphic, but I would use a needle for so long that you would have to, you know, the numbers were worn off and, and stuff like that. The that, numbers off the needle. Yeah, the numbers off the, the needle worn needle. off over and over. And, uh, I got so strung out on the needle, you know, I'd have to cover my arms up because the knots. And I would say, if if Christ can deliver me from that, then he then he can deliver you. He can give you hope because now my he is my living hope. Amen. Christ is my living hope. So. Amen. And if he can deliver an ex needle junkie like me, then he can do it for anyone. Are you excited to go preach in West Texas? I am excited. Yes. Are you yeah. going to start cheering on the Cowboys? No. 
What? No, no. no. You gonna wear a cowboy hat? <laughs> no, listen. No. No. Hey, you got Dallas, to. You Dallas Cowboys. Listen, right? let me ask you a question. Dallas Cowboys. No, what about the scripture where Paul no. says you have to become all things to all people to reach the more? Well, I don't know about wearing cowboy hat or boots, but I'm not going to root for the Dallas Cowboys football team. I what can't. if people get saved because you do that? Yeah, well, they're getting saved for the wrong reason. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, I don't watch football, so I could watch half the too, people so that listen stop that. listening because I just said that. But so, well, awesome, man. I'm, I'm just. Excited for you, Scott. Excited for Melissa to see what God is going to do. Excited for this Saturday. We'll have your send off here and and just be able to love on you guys from from here and stuff like that. So, um, if you've enjoyed this this production of uh, One Broken Life, uh, this is a production of Freeway Ministries. Um, and if you want to support Freeway Ministries, you can support us at freeway-ministries.com. Um, you can. Do us a favor, if you've enjoyed this, would you share our podcast? Would you like our Facebook page? And get the word out uh, that we are able to show and, and, and share about how God is reaching one broken life at a time through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, my brother. Amen. Proud of you, dude. Thank you. All right. We'll see you again next time with Scott and Melissa. My name is John Stroop. This is Scott Gilmore. Thanks for hanging out with us.